minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. We've got some afternoon baseball for you on this Thursday, September 2nd, coming up as the Nationals finish up this delayed series finale against the Philadelphia Phillies at Nationals Park after Wednesday's rainout. We're taking you up right into post-game, oh, excuse me, pre-game coverage and first pitch on Masson right here on the Masson All Access Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. Bobby Blanco coming at you from my home in Washington, D.C., now joined by my co-host, Amy Jennings, who joins me via Zoom. Happy September, Amy. Good to see you. How are you doing? Happy September. I'm doing well. I'm just looking out the window, and it's such a beautiful day, and it's so hard to believe all the weather that yesterday brought. Did you see the pictures of the Nationals outfield yesterday? I didn't see the pictures of the outfield. I saw the pictures across the district of all the lightning and the storms and the stri- and the lightning strikes and like the Capitol building. Those are really cool, but I did not see the Nationals outfield. How did that look? It- it was underwater. Oh, so I gosh. know, yeah, I know that they were working all night, to, especially a 1 p.m. start. You know, usually yeah. the sun comes out and helps dry some of that up. But an early start, I know that, that the, the grounds crew had a lot of work yeah. last night. I was actually thinking about that because I got woken up. That storm was, it? I guess, Tuesday night. Um, and so I, I, it was a disaster and it was raining all day yesterday here. Uh, and I was actually thinking about that. I was like, they have a one o'clock start. How are they going to get this field ready? It's, there's flooding everywhere. I mean, we were in a flood watch mostly for the day. Very impressive that it seems like they're going to be underway. I did see a picture, I think, from Jessica Camarado uh, from MLB.com on Twitter, uh, post a picture of the field, and it looked fine to me. Uh, so, yeah, kudos to the grounds crew for getting the field ready to go for this afternoon's finale uh, against the Phillies. It's also September. I'm I'm just glad the humidity for now is gone. Like the last like two weeks have been absolutely miserable here. Um, and that's Hurricane Ida or the remnants of it have finally taken that out of here. And it kind of feels like falls creeping up on us. Right. It's perfect weather outside. Terps football gets started this weekend. Uh, we have some we have some good weather ahead of us. <laughs> will you be in attendance? I will. I'm oh, going. Nice. I'm jealous. I'll Our- be in Cleveland for my girlfriend's brother's wedding. We leave later today. Ooh, that's afternoon. fun, though. Yeah, no, it's going to be a great time. I've never been to Cleveland. I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. I love weddings. They're so much fun. Um, but we'll have keep- you... Go. Have you ever been to? Pro- oh, you've never been to Cleveland, so you've no. never been to Progressive Field. Are they home while you're there? I do not think so. I also do not think we'll have time to do anything. It's a lot of wedding festivities <laughs> um, when you're going with the sister of the groom. So it's not like we're Ooh, friends yeah. of the yeah. groom. You know, we have to be a part of like all of the. Uh, I'm right. just tagging along. I'm just here for the ride. I'm just happy to be here. Smile and wave. Uh, handshake hands. Uh, sh- uh, give hugs. I'm just, I'm just here for the have fun. That'll be fun though. Yeah. That'll be a good time. Yeah, I'm excited. But I will keep an eye on the on our Terps because uh, I hate West Virginia with every fiber of my body, and mm-hmm. uh, I hope that they come away with the win. It's a whiteout. Make sure you wear white uh, as the Terps kick off their season. Um, but let's move on to baseball because we don't have a lot of time. Like I said, the Nationals kick off. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I- Football in the mind. First pitch is coming up uh, as we are live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Be sure to comment along throughout the course of the show. Um, and we want to talk about kind of this roster crunch. And I know some fans don't like us talking about other sports other than the Nationals and baseball on the pod. Um, so, you know, 
<laughs> Amy, September, me and September call-ups. This is not a normal September call-ups, though. In the years past, it's been the roster can expand to 40 men. Like, your full 40-man roster is available to you for the last month of the season. That, of course, resulted in a lot of long games in the last month of the season. Um, so I'm kind of glad they got rid of that. But now the jump is just 26 to 28 men. So you're only getting two extra guys. Nonetheless, that is usually helpful for a team, especially teams in contention, looking uh, maybe add some bullpen help, maybe then extra bench bat, something like that that can help them uh, late as they uh, make runs for the playoffs. And for teams like the Nationals, who are kind of rebuilding kind of um, you know, in a different place and, and during the season, it's a good time for them to bring up some of their top prospects, gives the fans a reason to watch, see what they've got at the major league level without much consequence before the season ends. It's not entirely that case for the Nationals. They are more in of a, a roster crunch than benefiting um, from these September call-ups. Yeah, I know. Not only is it non-traditional in the aspect that it's only expanding by two players, but also who they called up, activating Alex Avila, and then, of course, calling up uh, the left-handed pitcher, Alberto Baldonado. That's very untraditional and definitely a different scenario than most teams are um, in, in September. And it's interesting because, obviously, we haven't seen Alex Avila in what he's missed 52 games um, with those two calf strains when he made that play at second base, of course, when the nationals were in kind of another roster crunch um, in a way. And then of course, Baldonado has never been on a major league roster despite being in several, several organizations. So this is definitely um, non-traditional. I think it will help the nationals and at least give them some more options. We're not going to see a whole lot of Alex Avila because of course he'll be behind those two new catchers, um, in the organization, um, but giving getting another lefty in that bullpen, give him a shot, see what he's got, uh, certainly can't hurt. But yeah. definitely not not the same situation that a lot of teams, especially teams that are looking uh, to compete here, make their last push. The Nationals aren't in that situation. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, it's it's we, we'll get to this aspect a little bit later because you you bring up the catchers. But like I said, you know. It's time also to bring up your top prospects. Well, the Nationals' top prospects are already here in Caber Ruiz and Josiah <laughs> Gray. Uh, and you mentioned uh, Alex Avila. You know, he's the veteran catcher now on the squad uh, after Jan Gomes was traded. And, you know, there might not be too many, you know, at-bats or innings for him to play the rest of the year because the Nationals has, have already come out and said that uh, Caber Ruiz is going to be their, pretty much their everyday catcher from here on out. Uh, with Riley Adams as his backup. We'll probably see Alex Avila uh, play every now and then just to give both of those guys a breather. I know we're coming up on a stretch starting today where the Nationals are playing 15 games in the next 14 days. Their next off day, I don't think, is until September 16th. So that's a lot of games to play, and obviously catcher is a grueling position. Uh, and so Alex Avila will probably be leaned on to uh, take uh, some innings and at-bats away from those uh, uh, Ruiz and uh, Adams as those guys get a breather. But... You know, it's exciting in a sense that, you know, you're going to see Caber Ruiz play a lot from here on out. He's going to catch Josiah Gray almost every single time that Gray uh, pitches and takes the mound. So that's exciting. Um, but, you know, we talked about the lack of organizational depth for the Nationals for a couple of uh, podcasts now. Obviously, all the trades at the sell-off um, helped that. But you still look at the top 10-ish, and aside from Gray and Ruiz, there's not really anyone who is knocking on the door who you can really point to and say, oh, he's going to be a September call-up. We're probably going to see more of a revolving door in the bullpen than anything else. 
Right. I mean, all of these prospects that we're seeing are guys at, that are at the big league level now are guys that they just got back in trades. And really, there's nobody nobody there ready. I mean, when Escobar got hurt and went out, luckily he's in the lineup uh, for today. But there, I think there was a lot of concern because it's like, who do we have? There's nobody that's ready. Um, anybody that's realistically probably the next choice is at single A. So there really aren't a whole lot of options. And I think they were kind of questioning that. And that just went to show the lack of depth across several positions and, and across this organization. Yeah. And I, and I think the big roster move, of course, that you know, shook maybe the fan base and was kind of a surprise that came out the other day was the demotion of Victor Robles. He gets sent down to triple A as Lane Thomas has solidified him as himself as the everyday center fielder and leadoff guy. Um, it, it was kind of shocking to see, you know, Victor Robles, of course, the one time number one overall prospect for this organization thought to be even better than Juan Soto. You know, it was only a couple of years ago that he, Himself had a solid campaign. You know, he was the starting center fielder for that World Series team. And now here he is barely hitting 200. And the Nationals have basically moved on from him, at least for this season, sent him down to Rochester to figure it out however long it takes. Does this, like, surprise you? I mean, I know you look at the numbers and it's like, it would have made sense if he got demoted a a long time ago. But it kind of seems crazy that now they demote him I mean, I know they have Lane Thomas as an option that they didn't have before, but right now there's no pressure on the season. There's no better chance to to let guys kind of figure it out at the big league level. Are you surprised that they send him down now of all times? Um, yes and no. I, yes, I, I'm surprised because the roster expanded, right? So they have two extra roster spots. They were going to get two roster spots anyway. I, I think it is... Um, yeah, it's a little surprising in that in- instance, but at the same time, we could argue that this has been kind of the writing on the wall for the last couple of weeks, maybe even a month or so. I mean, he just has not performed well to be at a, a major league starting center fielder. I mean, the only thing you can maybe say has been able to justify playing him would be his defense. And, and you haven't really seen him play too much defense because he hasn't played too much. And, you know, he's not getting on base, which was another thing earlier in the season when he was struggling. We said, well, at least he's take, he's getting on base right. a little more than he's used to. And that has completely stopped. He, he has not been taking his walks. He's not really putting the ball in play. He's still striking out pretty badly. Um, and, and whenever he is putting the ball in play, it seems like it's always a loud pop-up in the infield or a soft grounder. Um, he's not getting on base enough to be a base threat. Uh, a base stealing threat. So I, I don't think that it's surprising that they eventually sent him down. I guess you could say that it is surprising that they sent him down now, right before rosters expanded where they could say he's going to, you know, there is a spot for him, but you know, we've always seen the national say we want our guys to play every day. So if he's not going to play over Lane Thomas, go to triple a, figure out your swing, figure out whatever it may be um, and, and play every single day and try to get back, get, uh, get back up here. Right. And I think that's, yeah, I think it, Lane Thomas is probably the the difference because before they maybe didn't have somebody to put out there or Lane Thomas, who has done fairly well since he's arrived um, in D.C. 
that, you know, kind of is in competition for that spot. It just seems weird because there's been parts of the season earlier in the season when they were kind of competing or did have a chance there and they were kind of riding him out. But like you said, he was getting on base at least uh, at the beginning of the season where right now he's not getting on base. He's not stealing bases, obviously, because he's not getting on bases often. So it just kind of surprised me that they do it now. Rosters expand and there's no pressure on the season. Um, instead, he's going to have to figure out it at Triple A, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, I guess it's also telling that they brought up Andrew Stevenson. So you know they mm-hmm. do need a backup uh, outfielder, and they've chosen Andrew Stevenson over Victor Robles. And so that kind of maybe ties back into my point of that's what that's what they. I, I want to. I'm trying to stay on the positive side of this. I, it does seem cl- kind of clear cut and dry that. You know, it's easy for fans to say that, well, they've given up on Victor and he's not going to be here next year. I don't think that's entirely the case. I don't think it's that easy. Um, you know, I think that it's more so that they want him to play every day and figure it out. David Martinez got pretty emotional and was saying how much he wants Victor mm-hmm. back up here to play. Um, but I, I, I'm just not sure if it's a complete giving up on him. I, I, I think that, like I said, they want him to play every day. They want him to figure out his swing. I, I, I saw on Twitter last night that he, in fact, tripled in the first pitch that he saw in his first game at Rochester last night. So that's a good sign. I mean, it, it's going to be one of those things where is it something where he just needs to figure it out and, and get his swing back, and then he'll be back up here and back to being a more you know 250-ish hitter with – around 15, 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases? Or is he kind of caught in no man's land where he is too good for AAA and not good enough for the major leagues? Right. And it's he's been struggling for a while. I mean, like you mentioned, the guy who was supposed to be more of a well-rounded player at one point than Juan Soto, and now you've seen him struggle consistently throughout almost entire, his entire time at the big league level. So that's kind of frustrating to see, and I'm sure he's frustrated. But like you mentioned, when what the way Davey Martinez spoke about him, and he's like, you know, whether it's, you know, two weeks, he, he's down there, you know, a month, next year, we want him back up here. I don't think he would necessarily be saying those things if they were 100% done. I think that was really telling. Obviously, some of that he kind of has to say. Um, but the way he spoke and how emotional he was about Victor, um, I think is kind of telling about Victor's future, at least for right now with the Nationals. So what do you think of Victor's future? Do you think we will see him play? Do you think, well, not only do we see him play next year, do we think we'll see him in some kind of uh, center fielding competition uh, at the start of camp next year? I think we will. I think if, you know, I, I I think we will. It's hard to tell how Lane Thomas is going to end up finishing this season. He's obviously, you know, he was kind of on the chopping block in at, 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 at AAA before he came. He's gotten off to a pretty good start here, but it's hard to tell his future. Andrew Stevenson has always kind of been right there on the brim. So I think Victor Robles is at least going to be in competition. Uh, for that spot he just has to figure some things out but maybe it is just a matter of getting his confidence back maybe it is a matter of going down to triple a and figuring things out well here's the other aspect of it too like i don't know what the national i don't know if there's another option for the nationals you certainly don't want to cut him and just let him walk um he's pre-arb eligible this year will be his first year of arbitration eligibility he was not a free agent until 2025 offseason uh, after the 2024 season. So that's three more years of pretty easy controllability uh, of Victor Robles. And the way he's been playing, 
you can argue he's not going to cost too much. You know, he's not going to get that much of a pay bump. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, he hasn't played well enough. He's hitting 203. Who, who are you going to trade him for? Like, what team is – he's not made himself a very appealing trade piece. So, I don't know how you get rid – I mean, what's the – I don't see the point of getting rid of him if no one's going to want to trade for him and you still have three years of controllability of it. I mean, he's at least a backup center in, in, uh, outfielder, and that's – you know, you obviously don't want him to be that. You want him to be your everyday center fielder, but I don't see really too many other avenues you can take with him. If they were, yeah, exactly, if they were in a position where at least he had, you know, some trade value, then it might be a different conversation. But the way he's played, he, he's not going to get a, a whole lot. And the Nationals don't, like just talking about it, don't have a whole lot of depth really at any position. So they're not really in the position where, you know, you just cut him loose. He's, he's, I think he's going to compete for a, a center field spot next year. I think that's kind of a given at least in my opinion <laughs> yeah I, I agree I, I think we'll see him I, even Davey said his Nationals days aren't done um and then like kind of like you said he kind of has to say that Davey always backs up his players but I I really believe that we'll see him uh in camp next year we still might see him this year I mean anything can happen look at what just happened this this past week um you know all the injuries that we've seen for this team had exactly Any, anything could happen god forbid lane thomas goes down or andrew stevenson any other outfielder and robust will have to be right back up here with the major league squad so we could possibly see him before the end of the season i think if everything goes according to plan though i don't think we'll see him back if if lane thomas is healthy and andrew stevenson proves to be a, a solid backup i think we'll see victor finish out the season at triple a Right. I, I'm, I'm with you there. I think he'll finish up the season there unless somebody gets hurt. And, you know, when we still, Escobar went down, there were, you know, options where they have to bring an outfielder into the infield and then you have to bring somebody up. So it's, it's kind of hard to tell right now, but sparing any injuries, I think he'll finish the season out there and we'll see him up with the team again next year. Yeah. So that was some pretty surprising news uh, the other day coming out from Major League. I mean, we did not, obviously did not enter the season expecting to see Robles go down AAA at any point. Aside from yeah. an injury, so to see him straight out optioned down there was was kind of surprising. But dig a little deeper, you look at the numbers; it kind of makes sense. And you know, hopefully Victor figures it out, and maybe maybe he'll force his way back up here and 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 just be crushing AAA and, and prove some kind of value uh, back up here and carry some momentum into the offseason and into next year. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, the infield real quick because you did mention Alcides Escobar's injury. Um, and we're talking basically mostly about how this uh, September call-ups have actually created a roster crunch for this team. And we're trying to piece together. I mean, if you watch the game Tuesday night in the bottom of the ninth inning with the Nationals, no, it was Monday night, the bottom of the ninth inning with the Nationals down a couple of runs, bases loaded. Uh, you know, David Martinez is doing his best to pinch hit. He goes with Riley Adams and takes out Adrian Sanchez. But then, you know, had the game continued, how is he going to piece together an infield? They are very woefully short on infielders. And luckily, like you said, Alcides Escobar is back in the lineup today. But, you know, had his injury been worse, Amy, they would have been in a really bad spot in terms of infielders because, like we've said, there's no one really uh, at the major league, uh, excuse me, at the high minor league levels that are ready to come up and take a spot and be a backup infielder. Right. I mean, realistically, their only option was Adrian Sanchez. Um, and obviously that's not sustainable throughout the rest of the season. So what would they have done? Like, truly, what do you think that they would have done had he gone on the IL uh, and they, they had to replace that position for two weeks? 
I've seen that Lane Thomas has played one full inning at second base. Um, I honestly that, don't. Yeah, that's why I mentioned that. You have to bring an outfielder in. And well, here, here's, what they, here's what they might have done. You could argue that you could move... Uh, can, you could move Alex Avila to a third first baseman, keep uh, keep Josh Bell in the outfield, and maybe have Ryan Zimmerman play third base, and then Carter Keeboom play second. I, I mean, yeah. then you mentioned that, that some of those, yep. I mean, the Alex Avila part, obviously not because he wasn't activated yet, but you mentioned that some of those thoughts came to his mind on Monday night. It obviously didn't get to that point, but... You're right. I mean, the highest rated uh, infielder on their top 10 is Yasil Altuna, and he has not played above high A Wilmington this year. So that it's quite a jump to bring him up and be like, you're now our backup infielder. Get ready. Kid. Right. I mean, but that was probably the situation that they have. And then they have Jordy Mercer, but he's been on the IL um, since July. Um, and he hasn't even played in any minor league games. He hasn't even had any rehab starts. So <laughs> I don't know. They were in a tough position, but thankfully, you know, they aren't faced with that now, but it's going to be tough to get through the rest of the, the season if they have any injuries. The best case scenario is they just need to get lucky and hope Jordy Mercer is able to come back at some point this, right. this month. Um, because if he doesn't and, you know, like we just saw, you know, a freak foul off into the knee could keep a guy out. Look, that's exactly what happened to Christian Yelich a couple of years ago, and he was out for almost the entire season. So that's a scary injury, and it could have been a disaster, not just for Alcides Escobar's career, but also for the Nationals in their shape of their infield. You know, and then you've got outfield depth. You don't. You've got a lot of catcher depth right now, which is a great thing. I just don't see where you can move. A lot of guys would have would have had to play out of position. Maybe you can say Lane Thomas, you're gonna have to learn second baseman. We've seen even Juan Soto jokingly take grounders at first base. I, I just don't know how you move guys around in that scenario. Luckily Escobar is back, but you know, they have right. the Nationals have put themselves in a kind of a, a, a no win scenario if someone goes down uh, in that infield. It's and it's a tough position to be in because it's one thing, you know, around this time of year that injury bugs biting, you know, your depth is getting exposed or the lack thereof. And it's one thing when you're competing and, you know, that's a different situation and you're plugging guys in here and there, you're starting to get them back as rosters expand. But when you're in the nationals position, when they're not competing at all, and they're just trying to get through the season and you you don't want to mess up anybody's career. And sometimes that's what you can do when you're, you're, you know, you're forcing players to play out of position. You're calling guys up that aren't ready. Um, so it, it is definitely a tough position to, to be. And I feel bad for Davey Martinez, but hopefully there aren't injuries. Hopefully they can continue to get some of these guys back like Jordy Mercer. Uh, I think that will only have help and their depth isn't, isn't, isn't exposed for the rest of the season. How about you mentioned the injuries? How about the Nationals manager is even injured a little bit? Now, did you see the news from this morning that Dave Martinez underwent a pre-planned minor foot surgery? Uh, and is TBD if he will actually manage today's game? Tim Bogar standing by uh, to manage today if Davey can't get to the ballpark in time. Ooh, no, I didn't even see that, Bobby. <laughs> uh, it came out the pre-game. Tim Bogar spoke to the media in place of Davey Martinez. This was pre-planned. Uh, because today was supposed to be an off day, so off day, just right. a minor foot injury or foot procedure for Davey. He is supposedly on his way to the ballpark. Uh, TBD, if he actually gets there and manages the game, 
Um, but I mean, it's just <laughs> what I mean. What more can happen to this team right yeah, now? Yeah, everybody's hurt. Everybody's hurt. Bobby, much, you're up next. Too, no, please, please. I can, not hurt, not hurt. Though you're gonna get your call up. <laughs> oh, I'm calling up. Oh boy, yeah. that'll be. That's how you know things will be bad if I'm getting called up. I got to be careful on the dance floor this weekend. I don't want to get injured. Well, yeah. Um, um, let's move on to the bullpen because this is actually. I mean, there's not. The results have been bad, right, Amy? But there is. I said earlier, there's. It's going to be a revolving door. You're going to see a lot of guys pitch. Uh, this this month uh, out of the bullpen, and it's not always going to be great. We just saw Wander Suero come back from AAA Rochester, and he threw a disaster of an inning in the ninth mm. against the Phillies on Tuesday night. But, you know, right now the Nationals, you know, they've got a lot of arms in there. I, I think they're going to use these two extra spots mainly to bring up fresh arms uh, for that bullpen. Right. I mean, that's the one that your bullpen is one where you, you need as many arms as possible, especially to just get through, especially when you starting pitching looks like Patrick Corbin has, um, they're going to need a lot of arms to get through the rest of the season. And I think that that's, who's going to, you know, complete this roster. Like you mentioned, Wander Swero coming back up two thirds of an inning, gave up three runs, four hits and two walks in his first outing back. Wander Swero has just been up, down and all around. Uh, you never really know what you can get, uh, but hopefully he figures some things out. And then, of course, Kyle Finnegan going on the paternity list for the time being. Uh, they announced that roster move this week as well. And, of course, we know Kyle Finnegan has kind of been forced into that closer closer role, and I think we'll see that for the remainder of this season. Yeah, so I guess that, that's an important uh, note to bring up, too, because we talked about Alberto Baldonado coming up um, yes, in yesterday's move, adding two more guys, and that completes, I believe, a 28-man roster. But the paternity list, is, I think, is only three to five days, so Kyle Finnegan should be back at some point this weekend, um, and my guess would be Alberto Baldonado goes back down, uh, and that completes up your bullpen. Now what they do with Alex Avila, I'm not sure. if like We talked about before that it does sometimes make sense to carry three catchers in September, but that was back when the roster was expanding to 40 guys. Now it's only 28. Right. I don't, and if you're, as long as you're planning on Caber Ruiz and, um, uh, and, and Riley, Riley Adams, Adams to play every single game. And, and I, I just don't really see what Alex Avila can bring other than maybe emergency backup infielder and just veteran experience for those two young catchers behind the backstop. Uh, they might need his roster spot to add extra arms. Because like you said, it's not just Patrick Corbin. Yes, Patrick Corbin has been arguably, if not factually, the worst pitcher in st- a starting pitcher in, in baseball this year. Um, but, it's you know, Eric Fetty hasn't gone particularly deep in recent games. Paulo Espino, you're, you're, it's a good day if he gets five or into the sixth inning. Um, and, and you and the you got Sean Nolan as your fifth starter. It's just this is not the starting rotation that this Nationals right. set out for this year. And you can't expect these guys to go seven, eight innings anytime. These bullpen arms are going to be counted on a lot. Right. I mean, and they're being forced into like really tough spots. I mean, guys won't pitch for days, and then they throw them out there when you know bases. It just they're being put in really bad spots. Um, so they're going to need as many arms. That's why I was really surprised that they activated Alex Avila because they're kind of making it very clear that Caber Ruiz is their catch of the rest of the season. Riley Adams is their number two, and it doesn't seem like Alex Avila is going to get a whole lot of starts back there behind the plate. Uh, so that kind of surprised me. I think the only thing, like you mentioned, maybe an emergency infield position, but I don't think they're going to put him in that position again after he just sat, missed 52 games because they put him in that position. Um, 
so it, it, I, that kind of surprised me, and they might really need that roster spot. But he does give that veteran presence. He is. It, it's good to have him there to kind of guide Caber Ruiz as he learns a completely new pitching staff in kind of a hurry. They didn't just put him in there like, oh, you're the backup for the rest of the season. No, he's starting. He is their catcher. Um, so he does give that veteran presence, but they're probably going to need that roster spot. In and he and even Josiah Gray hasn't gone particularly deep in any of his starts. I think he got to the seventh once, but didn't record an out. We saw him get roughed up for the first time in his last outing on Monday against the Phillies. So, you know, it's 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 a lot for one these this catching group to you know deal with this starting this starting pitching staff, and then a lot of bullpen arms coming out. You know, one name we have brought up kind of frequently, but didn't bring up yet so far today is is Tanner Rainey. I mean. The Nationals aren't going to rush him back. He has said that he wants to pitch, but Dave Martinez has also said, you know, if he's not healthy, we're not going to put him back out there. He's not even pitching at Rochester, I don't think, yet. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, it's one of those best-case scenario, they get him back, but he has to not only get healthy enough to get back on the mound, but also pitch well enough at AAA to get back up here. And and with, you know, a third catcher, there's only going to be a limited amount of spots because, like we said, Kyle Finnegan's probably going to be back at some point this weekend. Right, and it it doesn't make sense to rush Rainey. I mean, for what? You have to, you know, be careful with that. And I think Davey Martinez is obviously conscious about that. And there's other options at AAA right now if they need to bring up another arm. It, you know, they don't need to rush Tanner Rainey. Yeah, like we just saw them bring up Alberto Maldonado. And, you know, this is first time ever on a major league roster. There are a couple other guys that can fill that role. And like we said, the, the results might not be great, but it's an arm that they can throw out there and, and – Davies even said it's kind of a sink or swim situation. We want to see how these guys react to bad case scenarios um, and, and, and jams when they put themselves in the jams or if they can throw strikes and get out of them or not even be in them in the first place. So, you know, it is sort of interesting. It was it can be a struggle to watch like Tuesday night was, but it also can be kind of fun to watch like Monday night was. So it's a lot of give and take for the rest of the month of the season with these Nats. Yep, definitely an untraditional September. Not only, you know, you're not seeing as many prospects come up, rosters aren't expanded quite as much, um, but you're going to see a lot of people that you maybe have never heard of with the Nationals. So it'll be untraditional, um, but at least you're seeing some new names and maybe some people will rise to vacation and you'll see them to stick around for a while. Is there any other points that uh, you wanted to mention, Amy? Any other topics you want to bring up before we get out? If you're kind of a short pod this week because we are up against the clock as the Nats are about to throw out their first pitch. No, I think that's everybody. I think we covered all of the roster moves. Um, obviously, I think Victor Robles was the main one, kind of surprising. But we'll see, you know, if he's back up with the team before the end of the year or not. Yeah, that, yeah it's that's the one to keep an eye on for sure. It's going to be interesting to see how he plays out. Hopefully... He plays well at Rochester, or at the very least figures out what's going on in there, kind of a mental reset and gains his confidence back. So something to keep an eye on over the course of the month. Again, it is September 2nd, you know, a month from tomorrow, the season ends uh, as the Nationals conclude this series against the Phillies. I think they welcome the Mets for a weird five-game series over Labor Day weekend, doubleheader on Saturday. So a lot still going on at Nationals Park. Hopefully the weather here will be nice enough and you should get out there and and, uh, catch uh, maybe some of these young guys playing. Lane Thomas is worth the watch. KB Ruiz is worth the watch. And whenever Josiah Gray takes the mound, that is definitely worth the watch as well. Amy, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate the time. Hope you have a happy, safe Labor Day weekend and we'll catch you later.
Yeah, enjoy your trip. Thank you. And of course, you can catch the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Wherever you get podcasts, you can get the Mass and All Access podcast. At Amy Jennings News for Amy on Twitter, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. At Mass and Nationals across the board for uh, Mass and National social media channels. And be sure to check us out every single week as we go live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube on Mass and All Access Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, everybody. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you next week.